This is Worlds of Books. Today is April 17th, 2018. This is tax uh, filing deadline day, so I hope everybody got their tax returns filed. Uh, Tonight we're going to be discussing the book The Power of One by Bryce Courtenay, B-R-Y-C-E-C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. I read the Wikipedia article on Mr. Courtenay, and... uh, uh, I'll, I'll give just a couple of brief blurbs about him. He was born in 1933. He was born in South Africa. I believe South, I mean, Australia became his adopted country, though, I think. I think he probably eventually moved there and uh, uh, apparently really loved Australia. But a lot of his books, I think, are set in South Africa. And uh, he died in 2012. And... Other than that, I really don't have a, a lot of stuff. I mean, he, he probably wrote anywhere between 7 to 10 books, I think. Uh, and Audible has several of them. Uh, the Power of One, I think, was his first book. It was published in 1989. Uh, Tandia, T-A-N-D-I-A, I believe, is a sequel to it. Uh, it is on Audible. And I think... That must, I mean, it's just a sequel. It, it's, the, the, it's not an ongoing series because there, there were no other ones in, in, in that series, just those two. And then he had like another trilogy book. I can't remember what the series is called, but Audible, Audible's got them all grouped together. And I suspect probably several of his books are on Bookshare, too, if you, if you have a Bookshare membership. So uh, anyway, uh, uh, I'm glad y'all showed up. I, I hope everybody enjoyed the book. I'm going to release the key and then let uh, folks comment about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's probably a lot we can talk about in this book, depending on how much y'all, how long you want to go. But anyway, uh, have at it. First, welcome, Shell. I see that she has arrived. Glad she's here. Well, as they seem to always say, but then other readers tell me why I'm wrong. I really enjoyed this book. I love adventure books. I love action uh and uh, you know at first he was not a survivor the system manipulated him but as he grew up he learned to be the manipulator Uh, very intelligent uh he and amori what a partnership uh and it was there's just so many points you could make and um, i'll sit back and listen and chime in when i can but i thought it was a great book thank you I really liked the book, too. Um, I was hesitant to read it because I was afraid, you know, South Africa, racial stuff, there's going to be a lot of really ugly, horrible violence in there. And there was, but this author did a really good job of not adding gratuitous detail. He just said what happened, and that was it. There wasn't any place where I needed to fast forward to avoid stuff, Um, particularly the way that... um, the trainer, Hare, Hare Leak, or whatever his name was, was killed. Another author would have described the whole encounter in graphic detail instead of just having him be dead and you find out what happened after the fact. And I appreciated that. I was really sad when the rooster was killed, of course, being an animal lover, and I thought the rooster was written very well as a nice pet for um, poor PK to have. Um, the only problem I had was I thought it, I had to... St- stretch credulity a bit to have all these adults treating a little kid like him as an adult but I really enjoyed the book and I will probably read the sequel absolutely 11 out of 10 
when I first heard that we were going to read this book, the title did not excite me at all. And when I went and read the Bard Report, uh, I didn't like that either. So I thought I was going to skip this book, but when I finished my last book, this one was the only one left on my uh, phone. So I went ahead and started reading it, and it grabbed me in the first 15 minutes of the style of writing, the interesting story, and the very excellent narration kept me reading, kept me reading until long after my bedtime I would be reading there after 15 more minutes and set my phone for 15 more minutes then 15 then finally I go to bed really blurry eyed and ready for sleep but this was a really good book however that being said uh, the ending did leave me a little bit flat PK was telling us his story from a time point much after the point of where he's telling it of course he was six years old when he started, and naturally that, but until he fed. But at that point in his life, he knew uh, how his uh, time in Harvard went and whether or not he won the world championship. And he didn't tell us. And it didn't seem like a cliffhanger to me. It just seemed like a story that wasn't completely told. And I understand that there might be a sequel, but I don't know if I'm dying to read it or not. Maybe it's still a pretty good book. But uh, I just thought it was a a little bit flat. He knew knew what happened after he exercised the judge out of his psyche. You know, he went on. So did he win that championship? So that was it. I thought all that. I thought it was a very, very good book, and I was glad I did end up reading it. Well, I have to agree with with uh, LaDonna, and I'd say absolutely too. <laughs> I didn't just like this book; I loved it to bits. I really did. I, I can't usually come to this event midweek, um, and when I when I realised I was going to be able to come, and I thought, well, what will the book be? And it was unboxing. And I thought, oh dear, I'm not going to want to read this. It's not really interested in boxing. But I loved it, absolutely loved it. I just I just couldn't get enough of it. And I like these sort of books that move from one situation to the next and you have people um, that come and, and go in the different situations and um, and then you go back to people. And I loved everything about it, I, you know, all the bullying at the school and the train ride and... Um, seeing his character change and grow and, and Doc, I absolutely loved Doc to bits, I really did and um, I just thought it was fantastic, I didn't actually know there was a sequel, um, so I'll definitely re- be reading that, I haven't read anything by Bryce Courtney before um, but I, I love this so much, you know, we know when you read something and you love it so much and you think, right, you just want to consume everything the author's written I kind of feel like that, and I, I want to make all my friends read it now. I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I just love this book. I mean, uh, for, for all the, all the things, reasons that everybody else has already said, that Shell and LaDonna has said, uh, uh, you know, I, I, and I'm kind of like y'all, I, you know, you know, I, I've watched some boxing during my life, and, and never never been a huge fan of it and stuff, but, uh, uh, and I thought, eh, you know boxing really and uh but but he, he, he i mean th- this is a story about human relationships and stuff and, and it's about uh when i can read a book and learn something about another country like like i did i mean i thought like i learned a good bit about south africa uh i mean i, I never knew what the boer war was i never knew what a boar was i mean boar's one of those words that 
it, it can be spelled four different ways, uh, you know, four different meanings, uh, you know, whether you're talking about B-O-A-R like a pig or B-O-R-E about somebody that, that puts you to sleep or B-O-E-R like a like one of the Dutch that settled in South Africa or uh, B-O-O-R uh, you know, like somebody that's a real a real jerk. But uh, uh, this, the, the, like Shell said, he just did such a good job writing the stuff and taking you from scene to scene and you know, I, I I just found myself laughing, you know, almost crying when that daggum chicken died. I, you know, Grandpa Chook, I just loved him to death. And then, uh, uh, you know, Big Hetty, that scene when she fell out of the the train the train berth that was on the floor and stuff, it was just hilarious. I mean, it had it had enough comedy. And then, you know, the doc there, and you know how he how he got thrown in prison just because he was German and stuff, kind of reminded me of what we did to the Japanese back in World War Two. So it's just. Uh, he just touched on a lot of things and, and did a great job, and, and I mean you're right, Ladon. I think you know the ending felt kind of uh, it, it felt a little abrupt, but but I, but I guess maybe he does take up some of that stuff in, in Tandia, uh, T-A-N-D-I-A, which is supposedly a sequel. So uh, uh, I've not read any of Tandia, so I, I don't really know. But uh, I kept waiting, you know, I kept thinking, well, surely. He's going to bring back Hoppy Ruinville, the you know the one that taught him about boxing, and he got to got to see him box and stuff. And uh, you know we never heard from him again. I guess he he went off to fight in the war supposedly. But uh, uh, I, I just thought the book was great. It just uh, you know uh, a friend had recommended it to me, and I thought, well, yeah, I'm gonna have to read it. And I, I, you know, we'll, we'll just read it for worlds of books because uh, you know I've been told it's it's really really good, and you know we'll kill two birds with one stone and. Uh, Sorry, that's probably a bad uh, uh, adage to use with Grandpa Chuk dying, but uh, uh, but I, you know I, I loved it. I thought I thought it was great, and I, I really I really liked the PK character. I mean, bless his heart, anybody who's named himself after Pis- being ki- called Piskoff, but uh, uh, you know he he was smart. I mean, first and foremost, I mean he led led with lead with the head and, and follow with the heart and stuff like they like they say in the book and. Uh, you know, the the kid was smart, and that's that's what I like. I, I always like books where where intelligence reigns and stuff. I mean, uh, but anyway, I've I've gassed on enough, but uh, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, it's interesting about the boxing because I'm not interested in boxing either, but I really found the descriptions of the boxing matches very interesting because of the logic of how he was going to figure out how to defeat his opponent and I found those very well written and I enjoyed reading those descriptions of boxing Um, one thing I didn't catch and maybe I missed it at the beginning of the book um, his mother had had a nervous breakdown and he was living with his grandfather did we ever know what happened to his father or if he you know if his mother even knew who his father was or what the situation was there I never heard it I missed it too uh, Sherry a couple of things I did like boxing as a kid less so now but uh, my dad and I would hear the Friday night fights. Um, Joe Lewis was a hero to me. I didn't care what color he was, and I met him. And uh, it was a great honor. He, he was not well-spoken. I didn't care. He was breathing in front of me and signed my boxing gloves. My brother and I used to go out and reminisce here a little bit and box in front of the company. And my brother would land maybe eight punches or ten, and I'd hit one or two and if I connected, he was on his butt. He was on, on his back. I was a little bigger <laughs> than he was, but I had to connect. I, I took a lot. But boxing is a skill. It's not just toe-to-toe slugging it out because BK would have never won, but it's logic. He, he, he outsmarted his opponents. 
And um, I, I think it was a little contrived, too, at the end that he fights, guess who, the judge. I hated the judge. He was evil. Uh, but the author tied it up that way and had, had the great battle in the bar. Uh, and then he's teasing us, saying, he didn't tell us. So LaDonna's right. Uh, you know, and I said, wait, what about the welterweight championship? But that's, I think, in the next book uh, on that. I think his relationship with Doc was beautiful, absolutely beautiful, and how he um, got into the prison and got a, a free uh, permanent pass from the, uh, oh God, the head of it. I can't think of his name. Uh, anyway, they gave him the pass, and he could see Doc anytime he wanted. They thought Doc was a Nazi, etc. And he spent four years there, and how Doc died, and it was it was a beautiful relationship. I wasn't a fan of the mother, you know, reborn again Christian and going crazy. In fact, when Borman died, the lieutenant who was evil, who killed um, Herr Beek, uh, you get an idea what he did to him, but they know they don't describe it, and that's fine. Um, but uh, the, um, at the end of Marie, the nurse, said, oh, well, he asked for Jesus' help because as he was dying, he said he, he wanted help or whether He was evil. He, <laughs> when he died, I said, oh, great, that's that's a good one. So I think on the whole, it's it's kind of like, kind of like, although Huckleberry Finn was in his own way uneducated and so on, it's like a Huckleberry Finn of South Africa. Why did they treat him as an adult? Because he was a little man. He was a little man. He was asked to do very many responsibilities. And he fought his way up with his uh, gloves. And he was respected in the boxing world. And um, people that came to know him knew how smart he was. And um, he think of him as a little man. And there's some young kids that command that kind of respect. Thank you. I really like talk with his knowledge, his understanding, his music. I thought for sure that he was going to die in prison there. He was not going to get out of prison at the end of the war. Somebody's going to take care of him. Then I thought, Doc is going to die the first time they visited the Crystal Cave of Africa. I knew he would be dying then, but he didn't either. Then when he finally went back to uh, the cave to die, it, it didn't keep me completely as uh, a surprise after having all that but I hadn't figured I didn't know he was going to go back and die like that the only thing I thought was he kept thinking of him as as a crystal from dripping off of the uh, cave top and there he'd be laying there for eons and people would find him and there he would be like that but he wouldn't be nothing but bones. Maybe, maybe if it ever, if they, if he did make it at all. But anyhow, I didn't expect him to go back, and it was a bit of a surprise. Though, uh, I guess I wasn't a surprise, but I, I didn't predict it. I agree. That was that was a lovely, a lovely thought, and part of it as well. What I enjoyed about it was the, the way he describes things. I mean, the way he described the roses. And uh, and all the cactus plants and the beautiful countryside and the hills and the caves and you know it was so descriptively beautiful, really nice. And I, and I do agree with Sherry as well um, about the boxing. I mean, I'm I am not a, a boxing fan. I'm just not just because I'm not interested in it. So I thought, all oh, these fights coming up, I'm not going to enjoy these. But as Sherry said, even something like that, he can describe it in a way that. That you, I, I was getting quite excited throughout all the matches, and I thought he was going to lose his first one. And um, 
you know, I was getting I was getting so caught up in the in the boxing and the matches and and to you know the interesting parts about how it was um, how it was done with the uh, was it heel heel Pete's eight body punch or whatever it's called and the thirteen body punch. I thought that was really clever, and of course all the bits in the prison, um, all the smuggling that went on and the hierarchy in the prison uh, it was just fantastic. But I I loved Doc. I think I think Doc was my favourite character. He was so. He was so clever and wise. Um, I thought he was just fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's so so many good scenes and the bullying that went on in the school. And you know, I can imagine it. And from what I've heard, it's quite true to life. I think there is a lot of bullying that goes on uh, goes on like that. But uh, so many so many good uh, so many good things. Like when he turned up to that other boxing match, um, where the people asked him to go and box, and it turned out to be his nanny's son. And I was so touching at the end when you know at the end of that match when they said they were they were brothers and he came over. You could go on forever, I think. I think we'll be here till that. We'll be here till eight o'clock in the morning with this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm still reading the last part of the book, but I've thoroughly enjoyed the book. He's I'm laying off. He's finishing the prep school, but uh, the the guy is so good it stretches one's credulity a little bit. But it was really his early days. Well, where he's in the boar boarding school and being mistreated and his way out of there and his trip on the train uh, was really kind of interesting and then making it in the boxing field but he's also smart and he's <laughs> it, it, it really really was a very interesting story I plan to finish it I tried to today I think that there are many lessons in the book for example, Maury would have given him money to go to Oxford, as Maury did, I think. He just had the money, and he, he went through. And um, he said, no, but I want to earn it. I want to get control of my life. I, I would be beholden to you. Even if I did a loan, I want to make my money. And the, the, uh, the diamond mines are awful. Oh, my goodness. But he survived. But, boy, you listen to what went on in there, and the diamond mines crawling around and uh, those rocks could come crashing down, and finally, uh, he he did have an accident. And um, it, uh, what was that wonderful? I can't remember names. The wonderful guy who saved him, and he died in in doing so. He he saved him, but then he just oh, like John Henry, you know, in the old things, he was fantastic, and uh, he saved him. But that, it's a terrible, terrible job, and I don't know if that's still going on in South Africa. The, the, how they get diamonds that way? I'm hoping. There is better machinery and safety for the miners. They don't live long. The racism, the racism in this book uh, uh, upset me uh, quite a bit. Uh, when they were teaching the blacks to read, and the police came in and raided them, and threatened to throw them in jail and ruin the lives of the blacks that were being taught, that really was upsetting. Then they decided that they could uh, start a correspondence school and get around the, the, around everything, and so that's what they that's what they did. But the only thing I had to stretch my stretch credibility a little bit was these kids seem to be awful advanced for their age. Maybe it's just me. I never was like that. I wasn't smart enough to do any of this stuff. But they started out their own book making uh, group and made a lot of money on the fights and then started a lottery and made money on all that uh, lottery and everything. I, I just, can a 14-year-old do that? 
Well, you know, I, I just think that you know, the the characters were just super smart. You know, the, the main characters were super smart. But no, Sherry, I don't think they ever said what happened to his father. If they did, they they did it in a one liner that, that that I also missed. But uh, uh, I, I, I guess I just really liked PK because he was just a good guy. I mean, like all the examples in the book, like like when he when he boxed and he he was always a sportsman and stuff, and he he was he, he was just kind. He was just he was just a good guy. And, uh, 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 and you're right, Ladon, it's, it's got some racism in it, but man, it, it could, I mean, I mean, we're talking about South Africa here. I mean, the, the home of apartheid and stuff. I mean, it, it, it could have been a whole lot worse and that she could have really, I mean, he could, really could have slammed us with a lot of that stuff. And, uh, uh, I, I thought he did a good job of, of presenting it without just overwhelming us and stuff. But, uh, I, the, the lady that answers the phone at the senior place where we go and walk, is from South Africa, and I, I, and I told her I was reading this book and stuff, and I, I said I'd learned a lot about some of the language and stuff. And I mentioned the word kaffir, and she, she started whispering, and she said, oh, that that's like the N-word over here. So, uh, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, 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 I, I, I like the fact that they had a glossary at the end of the book. I, I went ahead and downloaded it from Bookshare, too, where I could go and spell some of the words and stuff uh, in Voice Dream Reader, so it's... Uh, uh, I, I really liked getting to see that that part of South Africa and and you know getting some of the language and stuff. Uh, you know wh- whether you're talking about Roy Necks, you know, I, I mean, I mean, I'm from Mississippi. We hear a lot about rednecks down here, so you know, uh, I, I, I'm used to some of the some of the terminology and stuff. But uh, he, he just did a good job of presenting the stuff and, and wrapping it around a good story. I thought. Well, I think there was obviously anti-Semitism and racism in the book. It wasn't played, you know, it was there. You knew South Africa with apartheid and so on. But um, even Maury, when he was a young kid, 11 or 12, going into the, the school, said, yeah, I'm a Jew. I'm the token Jew here, and that's the way it is, you know. And and, uh, and then when they found out, other guys, they would look at him and, and so on. Uh, I, I like Hoppy, too, as a, as a character. I think he molded, helped mold PK, that, he, that small doesn't mean you can't win. You got to use your head and uh, and your heart. And uh, Hoppy was good, but he went into the army, I guess, into the war. And they they thought that Hitler Hitler promised them uh, freedom, and um, if they'd go with him, and um, elements did. Uh, but the the British came in there and uh, and won it, the war, you know, the war, and so on in South Africa. But uh, it was a, a the poor Jews. They always um, they don't like them. They're too they're they're financial people. I can understand where. Maury, especially his dad was a what a banker you know he lived in, he lived around money constantly so he probably would know how to set up businesses and he sure did and PK was bright enough to pick up on what he was doing. Well, um, as an aside, um, it's interesting you had mentioned that about the curfew, Ladon, where the, they were raiding the school and the blacks had to be home by nine o'clock. Because I just saw in the paper today a newspaper columnist, I think in California, got fired because she wrote an editorial suggesting that blacks should have a curfew if they don't want to be harassed by cops. So, you know, some of this stuff never seems to end. Um, whoever said the, um, talked about Doc going back to the cave, that was really the most moving part for me, that he went where he wanted to to die. And when PK went there and there was that snake there, and that was really 
that was really a powerful thing. And I, like everybody else, I wish Hoppy would have come back in. I also was hoping he'd get to see his nanny again, and she'd know what a great young man he grew to be. But at least um, he got to meet her son, and her son, like PK, was raised to be accepting and, and a good person. I'll tell you that tell you a little bit about my ignorance I guess I thought oh a book about Africa 1939 going to be the dark dark Africa and the lions and everything but except for the chicken there were no animals in this uh, book really some when they went to the crystal cave there were some baboons making their nest up there in in the hills somewhere but uh, the schools and everything Uh, the only uh, thing that they did say there about Africa being like I might have imagined it a little bit was when they talk about the the tribes and um, what what they thought they they didn't believe in a lot of the modern times and everything. So it really kind of, kind of surprised me. It, shoot, it could have been England or something. Yes, I, I did. Um, talking about the racism part, I I thought uh, he'll Pete the way he was um, the way he coped in the prison with all that was done to him I thought was really interesting they went into the psychology of how he survived quite a bit more and how he got so used to being beaten that it didn't mean anything to him anymore um, you know and the way he'd learned to uh, you know very because it took him about a year or was it two years of uh, slowly 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 um, getting to know PK and Doc um, you know, and he knew. They described very, very carefully the way he had to um, do things so slowly. I thought he was a fantastic character. The way he thought and the way he worked, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and one of the other parts I liked as well was Doc's. Um, was it a symphony or a piece of music that he wrote with all the tribes? Oh, I would love to hear that. <laughs> I wish it really existed. I really would love to hear it. Um, you know, it, it, I bet it was. I bet it was beautiful because um, I don't know when, when you ever you hear Africans singing together, even just ordinary people on the street. It's, I mean, it's music like I don't think you couldn't. You couldn't. Well, you'd never hear it in England anyway. <laughs> you know, all the harmonies and the singing, um, just from everyday people, is fantastic. So I, I would give a lot to hear that piece of music. I think it would be. Uh, I think it would be beautiful. So, I, I hate to. To go into history for a second, but 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 I'm ignorant in a lot of this stuff. I mean, so I, I picked up some of the references and stuff. Who knows anything about the history of South Africa? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, apparently the the Dutch. I guess a lot of white Dutch settled down there, and they called them Boers. But I don't know anything about the Boer War. I don't know what the what that reference they kept making to to the English coming in and killing twenty six thousand women and children. Uh, I, I don't know what that battle was or, or what that thing was. Did, did any of y'all know anything about that? I, I should have done some more, some more homework, I guess, but I, you know, I, I forgot to. You might read uh, James Michener's book on Africa. That it starts off with the Hottentots, but it comes with a Dutch. They created a station for ships to refresh, get watering station. I guess it was. In fact, punished anybody that farmed, tried to set up their own farm and, and tortured them, treated them and they all and then the English came in and they all escaped into the interior to get away from the British and be independent and, and there's some good movies on that but uh, they uh, it, it's very interesting and the 
But the English were the first set in to, to do concentration camps, and they talked about that where they uh, they locked up they locked up all the women and children, and they were they, the disease came in and it, they were just dying like flies. And they boars finally gave in because they knew they'd lose. They wouldn't have any boars left to form a country, and then they formed South Africa. And of course, the racism was very intense. They were they were from Germany. They when the English found them, found the boars. They they thought that the Bible was the the, Jew, the uh, Jesus and all them spoke German. <laughs> that that's how just dislocated they, their religion came. They were totally isolated for a very long period of time in the middle of Africa. Don, that was interesting, and I will meet Reed Mitchner. I love him uh, on Africa. Um, didn't Winston Churchill fight in the Boer War in, in the eighteen nineties? That's didn't that was a terrible war and a slaughter of the British. You know, one, but. Uh, Anyway, they, they, South Africa was formed. I think he did, but um, I don't know an awful lot about it. I did mean to go and look up some more myself, but I know the English did some terrible things that we should be thoroughly ashamed of over there, um, you know, and the, and the racism. I can't, I can't understand how people can treat people like that, but um, I went to South Africa once when I was about nine, and um, it was a real eye-opener for me then. I mean, I don't know what it's like now, but even then, wherever we went, it was always, you know, the cafes. You could, you know, there's one for white people, one for black people. And even on the beach, um, you know, when we went to play on some swings and things, we were told, you can't go over there because they're, you know, they're black people. You've got to go down to the white people's swings and everything. Even taxis going past, there was, you know, only taxis that white people were getting it. And it was, you know, even now remembering, it was a real eye-opener for me uh, at that age, being so young. Um, and it's, I just, it's beyond me to understand it. One thing about, they said about the uh, British fighting the Boers, that was the first army they'd fought that wore shoes, which uh, kind of says a lot about, <laughs> it wasn't very complimentary because the British had been occupying a good part of uh Africa by that time, Rhodesia and all those other other places. But uh, and then of course they went into the First World War, the British and so on. My wife went to Africa uh, a few years ago, and she said there was one place that they stayed, and they told them they had to lock their doors because in the evening the baboons come running through there and everything, and and you had to keep yourself away from the baboons. One of the best scenes I like, our most intense scenes that I uh, liked was when uh, PK went back to Doc's grave and he was sitting there at the mouth of the crystal cave and he dozed off there a little bit and then when he wake, woke up there was a black mamba there just a few inches from his face staring him right in the eye then he held really close a still and the snake crawled off crawled across his leg he's a great big a snake 10 feet long or something like that and then crawled into the hole and went back uh, into the cave I guess they he was lucky the snake wasn't hungry because he had all the bats he wanted to eat. But I was wondering to myself, could anybody really not flinch? <laughs> you open your eyes, there's a snake looking you right in the eyes, and the most poisonous snake in the world, snake in the world, and and you have to sit there real quiet and let him crawl off. Yeah, that was something. Yeah, that was. 
I guess only PK wouldn't flinch. And Kobe Bryant, the famous basketball player, used to call himself the Black Mamba. And I didn't know what he meant. Now I know. Oh, my goodness. Um, the other thing that we I haven't talked about is PK's um, session with the medicine man. I thought that was beautiful. You know, the, the falls, jump over the stones, and either in his mind, whatever. And he did it again late in the book. And the medicine man was renowned. He, he came in a, not a limo, but I don't think, but a nice a car for them, that generation. And was treated better than a king. You know, again, uh, nanny or mammy, whatever, nanny. Um, loved him. The women uh, really treated him like a king. But he wanted to zero in on PK. And it was a beautiful moment they had. Not mean. Yeah, I thought uh, that whole medicine man thing was very very moving and it was it was like a psychological thing that pk could use the rest of his life and it really did work magic for him a character we haven't talked about yet is mrs i think i've got her name right mrs boxhall and i thought for a while she and doc were going to end up romantically involved but apparently since she's called mrs boxhall maybe she already had a husband that just wasn't in the story but i really liked the way she just got involved and set up all this letter writing and and a charity, sending things to people's families and stuff. She was a great character. Absolutely she was. And what about Miss um, Bogenstein or whatever, the teacher who PK fell in love with? She sounded beautiful. And her father that played chess with him and only lost one game because he let him win. Uh, PK said, you let me win. No, I didn't. You know, But he had a, a good support team. And with Doc, yeah, I thought Mrs. Boxel, she, she was amazing. They, they couldn't beat her writing letters, helping the prisoners. They tried to block her. Uh, Borman was very close to the answers, but uh, Doc was cool and under fire and didn't tell him, and, and neither did PK. But uh, they were great characters. Yeah, they were great characters. And I liked the bit at the school where they were all in class and they were saying, oh, oh, oh I've forgotten now, what was it? They said, Mrs. Wh- Mrs. Wodgenstein, or whatever her name is, says uh, and they're arguing with all the teachers over the books and which editions <laughs> to read of the different of the uh, charge of the light brigade and uh, that was fantastic but know uh, that they were both great characters and uh, of course um, d and dumb as well and um, they weren't in it an awful lot but i thought they were great characters you know they they love pk so much and um, you know they were really good characters and uh, there were just so many good characters in it. And, you know, when they had to all get together to uh, make the clothes for him to go to the boarding school. And it was so funny when they were praying for the, um, you know, for the clothes to come along. And in the end, they got everything that he needed. But uh, it was fantastic. And I had forgotten about the bit about the medicine man. I thought that was fantastic. And, it, you know, it just shows you... What what just believing in something can do the power well a lot of the, the whole book was about that wasn't it just the power of believing in something and um, it's very strong. One of my favorite bits of humor and I made a point to write it down was PK mentioned that instead of toilet paper Doc used newspapers and he mentioned that he saved one of Mrs Boxhall's columns from a fate worse than fish and chips. I thought that was such a great line. Yeah, the medicine man actually hypnotized PK, put him in a trance, and uh, sent him in his imagination over those stones, jump from one to the other, then fall over a waterfall, swim, fall over another waterfall, swim, fall over another waterfall, and get out and have all of that uh, self-confidence. And then all through his life, 
all PK had to do was kind of fall back on that post-hypnotic suggestion that he was given and he could relive that and give himself uh, confidence when he felt uh, like he didn't have any so that uh, medicine man probably didn't call it hypnosis then and he probably didn't know anything about hypnosis but that's what he was doing he hypnotized BK and put him in a trance and gave him a post-hypnotic suggestion that lasted all of his life yeah that's really good I thought he was hypnotized as well Miss Bodgestein I'm not saying your name right but was a true teacher uh, <laughs> you're not going to be surprised, but in 37 years of teaching, I got one or two kids that were way smarter than I was, quite a few. And rather than shoot them down, I said, let's do more research here, and I'll do it too. I'll, I'll read the book that you're mentioning. And eventually I'd say, okay, I think you're ready. Why don't you give a lecture to, to what you know? Uh, and I, I rolled with it rather than, than uh, say, no, if you say that again, you're, you're expelled or whatever. And as the uh, history teacher did at the school, he did not want to hear about it. He had his own version of the charge of the Light Brigade and the great British generals and so on. And uh, Maury and uh, uh, PK took him apart. Yeah, I, I, I love that scene with the medicine man. And the, the thing I liked about him, I, he, it just felt kind of like his character. I mean, he, he was close to 100, I think. And I just got the feeling that he felt... You know, I know what all this is about, and you know that it, it, it was all really a bunch of hooey that, that he was like playing magic tricks on all these people and stuff. But but he had the sense that that he didn't really take himself too terribly seriously and stuff. And that's what I liked about him. And, you know, he helped PK out, and then uh, you know he, you know he, he told him you know showed him the trick about making the you know the, the chickens you know act like they were asleep inside those circles and stuff. It's kind of like. Man, I bet he'd have been a pleasure to talk to. It's kind of like he'd lived life, and you know, he, he knew where to keep things in proper perspective. And and then I, like everybody's already said, that that teacher, you know, the 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 Jewish teacher that 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 they kept quoting over and over again. She became, I mean, it's like dropping a name and stuff. Like so and so said, you know, Miss So and So said, and it became like a like a mantra at the, at the school. You know, when when something was authoritative. That they were they were quoting her. I thought that was cool, and, and they and, and they both won some kind of English or some kind of uh, history essay award for what what what, what they said when, when they were defending you know what they were arguing with the teacher about. I thought oh this is really it's really cool. He just did such a good job of taking human stuff and giving it the right spin, and you know letting letting the right the, the right side prevail and stuff. I, I just I just loved it. And uh, just a few other characters I want to mention that I liked was um, the granddad as well. He was an interesting character. He was—he wasn't—he just drifted in every now and again. But um, he was a very good character, and um, the way PK could go to him, you know, when he was in love, and he didn't think he'd understand, and he was one of the ones that understood the most. And also um, that wicked woman at the boarding school, and uh, put him on the trains, you know, with the horrible sandwiches and. And took him to that. That was a good scene where they where they went to get the uh, I forgot they called them now the shoes. Um, when they went to the Jewish bloke at the beginning um, to get him the, the new pairs of was it Dak as he called them something, and he gave him the sweets and he could see what a tough time PK was having, and uh, he was such a nice case. But there was a lot of things about shoes in this book all the way through, wasn't there? There were big thing shoes. There was those shoes at the beginning, 
and there was um you know all the the shoes that um the team um that that they got together for his new his first boxing um boots when he first went out and the shoes that he got when he went away to school there was lots and lots of things about shoes tackies i think they called them tackies and i guess that must be like our version of what we call tennis shoes tennis or but but they called them tackies i guess it's t-a-c-k i don't know if it's i-e or y or some of the spelling but uh you're right there were there were a lot of references to shoes and stuff but uh uh what else was i gonna say I'll let I'll release because I can't remember. Yeah, they were tackies, and they said that they were a shoe with a canvas top and a rubber sole. So they were like our tennis shoes. And the house mother, or whoever, uh, I forget names again, was, you know, she knew that he'd been beaten up severely by the judge and the, the chicken was killed, uh, all that. She She figured it out, but she was so mean to him. I guess you just have to be... You know, I never went to a residential school uh, for the blind. I, I don't say they were, they were that way, but, um, man, this lady had no, no mercy at all. I'm glad he got away from her finally, got on the train. Yeah, I got the impression she really liked caning those kids when uh, when she when she put the cane to them and you know, bent, them over the, 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 bent them over the foot of the bed maybe and, and walloped them a few times. But uh, she, she was... Uh, she was a piece of work, uh, you know. Uh, uh, but but he, uh, he, that, that, that's what makes the good parts so good, it, you know. When the writer, I mean, yeah, you you knew the judge had to get hit. I mean, after they killed that, killed Grandpa Chook and stuff. I mean, you knew he was going to have to get his and stuff. So uh, he he just did such a good job of, of 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 weaving the bad in with the good and stuff, so that you know to carry us along. So. Yes, I, I, one of the best things. I was so pleased when Grandpa Chuck pooed in um, the judge's mouth, but I, I knew it was his death warrant. But, um, yeah, good on you, Grandpa Chuck, I say. Okay, well, I, I will try to get uh, Tandia, and uh, if anybody's interested, let me know. I, I will, uh, uh, I think it has to, I mean, you, you got to read one of these. It's got to be human narrated and stuff. I mean, you know, Bookshare is great and everything, but I, I think I, these books just read better with uh, 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 human narration, uh, not not with synthetic speech. And it looks like the same guy reads all of his stuff on Audible. So I'll try to get it, and then, you know, I'll, uh, I, 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 can, I can convert it to MP3. And I, and I don't mind sharing. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to post it out on a website or anything, but I don't mind sharing it with somebody else. If y'all are interested, send me an email and, and let me know. If I might suggest a book for uh, next month, I'm reading a book called Beneath the Scarlet Sky, uh, DB90,012. It's about a a young man uh, living in uh, Italy in 1943, and it says that uh, he likes three things. He likes food jazz and girls and he's just enjoying himself like everything until the bombers come and start bombing and his parents send him to the to the mountains where uh, he lives for a while and then starts helping uh, Jews escape over the mountains and then he returns to to the town and uh, uh, his parents want him to join the German army so he won't be drafted and sent to uh, Russia 
and killed for almost certain. And so he gets in to the army and through happenstance ends up uh, driving for a German general and starts spying on the general. And it's not a real heavy book. It's a, it's a nice read. It's not a heavy book like a lot of World War II books is, but it's just a pleasant read, and I, I've enjoyed it, and I think maybe uh, some of you people might also. Well, I'm going to say let's reserve that for June because I've got another book I want to read next month. So uh, uh, I, I've heard about Beneath the Scarlet Sky. I do want to read it, and I just want to put it, put it off a month because... I kind of I want to read The Escape Artist by Brad Meltzer. I've been hearing some good stuff about that. My man, Nelson DeMille, who I really like, uh, uh, really gave it some, some high praise and stuff. And it, it's on Bard, and it's the commercial version, and it's narrated by Scott Brick, who I love. And it is uh, DB90929. Uh, so uh, if, if, if y'all are amenable to, to reading that, uh, but yeah, but you know, I'll open the floor to, to other suggestions too. But I, I definitely want to read the the one Ladon said, but uh, just maybe not next month. What's the uh, say the DB number, please, slowly. Nine zero nine two nine. The Escape Artist by Brad Meltzer. M e l t z e r. Okay, thank you. Well, they both sound like good books. I want. Um put any thoughts in because I can very rarely come during the week it's just a bit late for me on a weekday um, so, but they both sound like good books I think I'll probably end up reading both of them but um, yeah they sound great. Well, we're so glad you were able to come tonight because I, I know it's let's see, six hours you're six hours ahead of me and it's uh, getting close to nine o'clock here so it's got to be about three in the morning if, if I'm doing my math right Is am I doing my math right? That's it, yeah, just coming up for three o'clock. So I was so pleased to come. I was, I was really pleased because um, I wouldn't have read this book otherwise. Um, I love book clubs. They really make you, make you read something that you wouldn't normally get to. It's just brilliant. 